who are some sleepers in this year's NBA draft and who are some of the best shooters coming up. We're going to answer some of your mailbag questions. we got a good amount of questions, got a lot to get to coming up on locked on NBA big board. You are locked on NBA big board, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day and every day. I know that, again, we're in the end of the offseason, but I really appreciate your patience uh, heading into trading camp with us as you continue to listen and follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're getting your podcast or whatever, watching your videos. Uh, If you don't already, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Would do wonders for us uh, personally, and just we're trying to win this uh, internal competition. But I'm joined by my guy, Leif Tuline. My name is Richard Stamen. I'm a credentialed uh, college basketball analyst. Um, go around the country, go in places for college basketball, combines, events, uh, and so on. Leif is one of the biggest college basketball uh, connoisseurs that I know. Uh, and and he, just, he knows the game inside and out, and that's why I think he's perfect for this too. So uh, we're going to get to some of your questions starting actually just right now. Let's dive into it. I, we got about 15 to 12 questions a few of them overlapped. Um, I think, you know, a good amount of them were about the NBA draft. There were a couple, a little bit off topic, but we will answer those um, going towards the NBA as well. But let's start with, uh, I think, the biggest sleepers. We had two questions come in uh, pretty much asking from Jordan, uh, who's most likely to be a second round pick uh, to turn into a star player. And then we also got one uh, from him as well that said, who are some of the under the radar prospects that can slip into the lottery this year? So pretty much star power projected second rounders that'll be rising. Uh, we see this pretty often. Leaf, I'm curious, who are some of your picks? Uh, and then I'll, I'll select some of my guys as well. I think there's a good amount of candidates because it's pretty wide open right now. Yeah, that, that's a difficult question to say projected second round because a lot of the players that will occupy the first round, according to these mocks, haven't played college basketball yet, and they easily could fall. Like, there were multiple last year where you're like, oh, this is a penciled-in top 15 pick, and all of a sudden, for instance, Jaden Hardy was a penciled-in top 7 pick, and he went 20, uh, he went 37th. Um, you know, stuff like that happens. Um, a couple guys that I think are too low on consensus big boards, I'll, I'll kind of frame it that way because I don't quite have a top 50 in my mind right now. I think, I think Matthew Cleveland could be a lottery pick and he's on most big boards somewhere between 20 and 30 and some of them I've seen 20 to 40 so you know in that late first round early second round I think he could be a potential lottery pick I really love what Matthew Cleveland um, his attributes are I think he's a kind of more talented version of Devin Vassell uh, which who also went to his alma mater at uh, at Florida State I also think that a French kid City Sissoko uh, he's picked on Tankathon right now number 30 um, I, I've seen bits and pieces of him and Richard and I talked about him two, three weeks ago, you think? And, and I was telling Richard off the air about him a little bit that I thought like we were talking about international prospects. And I said, well, I know when Benyama is the class of France, but this guy's going to be pretty, pretty good, too. And I watched some some random games after that. And I actually forgot to follow up with you. But so my, my scouting report is, wow, this guy's really athletic and he's developing skills early but it seems late because he's burst onto the scene but i feel like he's developing these nba level skills early as an 18 year old and we'll see him in the g league ignite and see how he contributes those are two that i think could be late first round early second round that i think have far more potential than where they're consensusly ranked 
Yeah, I like those picks. We're we're big Matthew Cleveland fans on this podcast. I also like Jalen Worley. Uh, I think he's somebody who could fall closer to that second round pick that turns into a really good player. I don't think he's got star upside, but um, somebody else who I like for those, both of those, I think they overlap is uh, freshman Roddy Gale at Ohio state. I think you look at his playmaking ability and overall offensive ability. I really like his game. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. He's 19 already, but uh, so we'll be 20 as after freshman, but at six, four uh, needs to add a lot of weight that's a big differentiator for him. I think some team will take a gamble on him right now. I think he probably falls closer to the second rounder. That could be a high ceiling guy than then flying up into the lottery, but who knows Malachi Branham last year probably would have had the same answer as well. So hard to say on him. Someone else who I really like is Alex Fudge who transferred from LSU to Florida. Outstanding defender, great athlete, uh, really for him, it's just, can the offense take a step forward as a sophomore? Uh, I think that's a huge step for him. And, and if so, you're looking at somebody who could be potentially, you know, if he has a breakout year, I don't know what he needs to do for it. Maybe he becomes a premier role player. Alex Fudge could maybe inch towards the lottery. One other guy <clears throat> that I really like is Mike Miles. I always talk about him. He just turned 20 years old. He's going to be the youngest junior in the class, youngest upperclassman. I think he falls into definitely one of those categories. I think he's got Jalen Brunson upside, which is a hundred million dollar player. I don't know if that's the star that Jordan asked for, but um, that is at least a, a good volume, a really good player turning into Jalen Brunson or being the youngest junior. If he takes a big increase in efficiency, he could go into that first round. Um, is there anybody else you want to mention Leaf? Not yet, but if we revisit this once college basketball starts, I typically have players that I text Richard and some have hit and some haven't. Like we, we've joked a couple times before I was on this podcast, I came on as a guest with Richard and told them all about Trey Murphy. And he was like, man, what's this guy talking about? And Trey Murphy, I don't know if you're actually thinking that, but that's how I felt like when I told everyone else, you gave me a chance to talk. But most people are like, man, this guy's out of his mind. But sometimes when I watch like a month or two and I fix in on a player, I find a guy. So I'd like to revisit this after college basketball starts and then i can think i can find someone that i think will turn into a star role player maybe not a star in the second round yeah like i said leaf knows college basketball inside and out so he is definitely uh somebody who he knows what he's talking about when he predicts this stuff um some and then rb3 uh asked who are the best under the radar prospects that can be first round picks uh for me again mike miles just as i said i think he's a great candidate uh, I really do like Eric Gaines. I think as a junior, he could take a jump. It's harder to be a junior first round pick, but uh, I think he has the best hands in the country. Really good athlete, good playmaker. Only 6'2", really needs to up that efficiency at UAB this year, but I think the numbers will catch up to the skill. I'd say those are two prime candidates for me. Uh, what about you for an under the radar uh, first rounder? Yeah, I like I like the Mike Miles. Um, I, I we'll see if they go with diminutive guards. That I, I think the size is becoming such a trend in the NBA. Like the Celtics just accentuated the model that had already kind of been set as a precedent of taking size and of that notion. Someone with elite athleticism. That uh, I'll go with two bigs, and I don't think either necessarily are are even even close on the boards right now, or especially in the minds of scouts. But I think one of the two, depending on how they play. Um, could have a chance, and I'll go with uh, Damian Collins or or Jacob Toppin could play their way into into yeah. the consideration, complementing a big and Oscar Shibway. 
and and what they have is very good NBA traits, um, but they have to put it into basketball production. For instance, Jacob Toppin has a phenomenal uh, vertical. He runs the floor. If he can start hitting threes at a 35% clip and rebound seven rebounds a game, I think that's a first-round pick maybe. Um, Damian Collins is even freakier of an athlete. He just needs to figure out how to play the game and compliment Oscar Shibwe while still winning basketball because that's the only way you're going to get on the court. So those are two guys that I don't think anyone's really got as first-round picks right now, but I think they could be, uh, depending how they complement Shibwe and how well Kentucky plays, who I think is one of the top four teams in the country. And then uh, I, I think I think there's a chance for Tyrese Hunter. Uh, speaking of shorter guards, I think defensively he's an absolute pest, and he's got offensive upside more so than I believe Gaines does. Um, and he's at Texas and he's number 32 on NBA, um, on tankathon. So that's not a crazy bold one, but I'd actually, if I were to make a list, I don't think I'd have him that high, but I could see the, the pathway for him to be that high. I got another one and then, uh, then we can move on. But what about Henry Coleman from Texas A&M? I I've been a big Love fan it. of him. That's a good one. He, he averaged 11 and six. Uh, he was a top 50 recruit going into Duke two years ago, transferred to A&M really did well. I mean, 11 and six on 56% shooting 69% from the free throw percentage. Nice, but I want to see that go up and he doesn't take threes. Uh, If he does become a little bit of a shooter in that free throw percentage, you know, we always talk about how that correlates to real shooting. Maybe those three point volumes finally take off. What do you think of that? I love that pick. Um, Henry Coleman, little fun tidbit. One of my friends is a diehard Duke fan. So I, I get all these scouting clips of Duke players like two years before they commit. And he's like, you know what? I really like this four star. And I've been seeing like all these five stars filtering in. I'm like, okay, like, I wonder what this one's about. And, uh, and, and then he go, he's like, you know what? I think he'll be one of the most valuable contributors in two years. And I like this, like a la Emil Jefferson and, and Emil Jefferson was integral in, in winning that championship. Like all the praise goes to Jaleel Okafor and uh, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones. But they went to one without Emil Jefferson or Quinn Cook. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. I bet it'll be really good in two, three years. Well, now we're two, three years down the road. And he transferred, but he's got an elevated role. He would never have had at Duke. And I think that was the best thing for him. He may not win as quite as often without the surplus of talent around him. But I really think that Coleman could turn into a productive player. Like, I can't quite think of a comparison off the top of my head. But, like, his rebounding is tenacious. He slides his feet phenomenally. If he can start shooting, to your point, He's a very good sleeper candidate. I don't think most people would have in their top 60. So I, I love that one from you. Um, speaking it. of, yeah, you bet. Speaking of, speaking of bold claims, you can make your bold bets at BetOnline. At BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is continue, your continued source for sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest to check in all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, MLB, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Cool. Well, uh, welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board. We are taking more of your questions. My name is Richard Stamen at MavsDraft on Twitter, joined by Leif Tuleen at Leaflin on Twitter. Um, let's get to some more of these questions. Some of these now start moving away from this upcoming draft and just overall um, questions. So let's start with this. Another one from Jordan. He said, what is the most difficult basketball skill that scouts have to, that a scout has to have a uh, debate on? And I'm assuming it just means kind of like, what is just the most difficult skill that uh, to evaluate? For me personally, I think 
Um, you have to watch somebody a lot to learn about their decision-making. Like, I don't think you can learn from one game, say, oh, they're a good or bad decision-maker. That's something that takes a handful of samples, uh, sample size. That's not something that can be solved in one uh, one sitting. Same with just general basketball IQ and feel for the game. I think that's a really hard thing to, to master because every I think if you watch the worst games of somebody, if you watch, say, five and five or something, you're still missing a lot of average games where – you know, some people have different approaches or answers based on what they watch. If you're watching, say, like Kentucky versus Tennessee, but then watching somebody on Kentucky and then they play somebody versus like Mississippi Valley State or something. Yeah, your answer is going to be way different on how they are as an evaluator. So I think that's always been hard for me. It's just taking what matters from what games and applying it to feel for the game and trying to get in their head. Yeah, this is, a, this is a good question, and and uh, I didn't know, I didn't see that question, so I I'm trying to rack in my brain. But one thing I'll say is the way people can scout and condense information, like through synergy, for instance, where you can you can say, well, I'm going to watch every right hand drive. So uh, and you and you say like, well, he played this game, so I'm not skipping out on and just choosing the best games rather than watching a full game. I think I think it's deciphering how dominant a dominant trait of a player is. For instance, Tari Eason was one of the most interesting evaluations for me this past year because I knew he was a great defender. I'd watched enough LSU who I did not enjoy watching because they really did not move the ball ever. But um, I, I knew Tari Eason was a good uh, good defender. So I didn't have to watch too much defense after I'd watched the games, but I wanted to watch you know, just how dominant is he because he gets to his right hand all the time. How does he do it? And so when you see that dominant trait supersede good athletes on opposing teams and you see it as a consistent thing, you want to say, I think my biggest thing is, is learning what trait is so dominant that it will supersede the talent level and the gap between the NBA and college, because sometimes people are dominating in lower athletes. So for instance, the SEC, I thought was a really good division last year and our conference. And so I, I thought the fact that he was able to consistently get to his right hand and score when scoring, that wasn't necessarily the role I projected him as as a NBA player was something that I really took into stock and, and appreciated greatly because uh, you know his best attributes are, are based off the athleticism so I think that and long in, in summation my answer is just how dominant a trait will be when translating and how and how impactful it was at a college level um, is a hard task because there are players that can score in a way that they can't <laughs> score in an NBA level and I think that learning which traits translate is the hardest thing. And I think the easiest, I don't know if this is the follow-up, but I think the easiest to tell is shooting. Like um, I, I rarely have a hard time uh, deciding, well, this shooter is going to really, really uh, have a good shooting career in the NBA. Cause if they can shoot a ball, they can shoot a ball. And you see the, the plethora of ways they get the ball. You know, there are ones that you can maybe have more faith for that aren't shooting well. For instance, Davion Mitchell, I thought would be able to shoot well considering he shot 41% at Baylor over the last two years at Baylor, but his free throw percentage belied that. And, and free throw percentage is typically the better indicator. And, you know, I took a risk there and I think I'm so far wrong. Maybe he can turn it around, but typically shooting, I think is pretty projectable. Yeah. And that kind of feeds into uh, another question that Jordan asked us. He said, what is the easiest basketball you think, um, like what's the easiest to spot when you're scouting? And for me, I, I think it's shooting. It's shooting or really athleticism, but that's not technically like a skill, I guess. Uh, it's not like a skill area, but I think shooting is just very easy. We have so many, it, it's hard to get it wrong, I think. If a guy shoots like Sean Marion has his elbows out to the side and is flicking it and has a free throw percentage of like 58, 
something like that. Yeah, it's probably not going to be able to shoot. Maybe you get a Sean Marion every once once every like 50 years. Sean Marion could shoot it, not man. Do that. So Sean Marion could shoot easy. it. I also am just an absolute nut about like shot aesthetics. Uh, that's always been something growing up. I, I had an ugly shot, had to fix it. And ever since really like over the last 10 years since I fixed it, I, I'm a, I don't even know the word for it. I'm just a stickler, I guess, for a clean shot. I like the release. I watched the guide hand way too much. And then we also have the metrics, just the free throw percentage is so strong at indicating that it's really easy to overthink. But if somebody has a shot that they can shoot over a defender, uh, they can get themselves looks, they play off ball. There's just so many things that go into it. It's almost easier to find. um, I mean, it's one of the few things I think where it's easier to actually find a strength and then to find a weakness. I think in a lot of other areas, we hyperanalyze so much. It's really hard to do that on shooting, I think. Yeah, shooting's the answer here. And I actually thought of a, a good answer for the last one I want to add on is, is potential for creation. Because a lot of these players, we they're, they're the stars of their college team. And some of them do it differently than the others. Um, and so we, we often talk about how well can this guy translate and how well can he be the guy, especially lottery picks. And one guy that, that I had a particularly diff, difficult time saying he's going to translate to the NBA and be a scorer was Johnny Davis. I just didn't like the way that he scored the ball in college and didn't think it projected the NBA. So the reason that's a difficult thing to assess um, overall for a ton of different players, maybe not just one select instance, is because you don't know what team they're going to go to. You need to know both the NBA's kind of trends and the collegiate trends of how they scored again, what the context is of their roster and why they were scoring the way they were. You need to know what teams could possibly be interested in them in the NBA and, and piece together. Okay. What's feasible. So for instance, Johnny Davis, I was very low on and Raphael and and Sam kind of gave me a hard time about it because they like Johnny Davis was so productive and he absolutely was, but I just didn't see him scoring. The only player who scores like him is DeMar DeRozan. He's an absolute anomaly. And, uh, and so another one, it's like Benedict Matherin. What, 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 what do we say about his creation? Like he was kind of rigid. He, he only went yeah. uh, east and west and, or north and south. There was not much wiggle, shot mid-range jump shots. But Benedict Matherin, I think, will be like an 18 points per game score very quickly. Um, so it, it, it's hard to decipher, well, are they going to be the man on the team? Are they going to be projectable scoring the ball? Um, and, and that's what you typically want from these type of picks. Obviously, there are a few anomalies that you go for, like Jalen Duran, for instance, is, isn't that going to be asked to be the main scorer? He's going to be asked to defend, and that's easier. But I think the scalability of offensive creation is, is one of the hardest things. Yeah, and I think a prime example of that is Devin Booker. Nobody, nobody had an idea outside of like Intel, I think, on what Devin Booker, his creation ability was because what he took like only a handful of dribbles, I think, his entire time at Kentucky. So um, that is a, that's a great one. Uh, I think we'll do one more for the general overarching, and then we'll get some of the more fun ones. But last one, this is from my guy Jam on the boards. Um, we kind of talked about half of this already. He said, what is what players projected outside the first round are likely to gain lottery traction? So we already got that. But he asked for the best scouting advice to prepare for the season. So for me, I think it's just don't take shortcuts. I did that a little bit this last year, and I think it might cost me. I think there are areas where I missed some context to some teams and players. And I think it might bite me and, you know, simple player evaluations do a majority of the work, but knowing the context is what gets you from 80% understanding to hundred. And, and that 20% makes a huge difference because that's where you can find blind spots. You can do just a lot of, you, you just identify what you might have gotten wrong and evaluate on that without overthinking. 
I think not taking shortcuts is the easiest answer. It's kind of vague, but really, you know, if you can just watch the box scores, don't just watch the box scores, try and find a full game. Only watch box scores when you're kind of like in a, in a cram. This is for NBA scouting, college scouting, any level. I think it really just applies. Know the context of the team because stats can only tell you so much. If you're not understanding how they're used or why they get to that point, they don't really do a ton. Yeah, I, I have an answer to this, but I also want to say like Richard watches more film on draft prospects than just about anyone. So if he's saying that he took shortcuts, that's a, I mean, I'm sure everyone does. I did as well, but his, his advice is right. I'm curious, Richard, who do you think that you didn't evaluate, evaluate properly looking back on like that, that you think like I didn't watch enough of in that context or know the context for? Yeah. So for me, it wasn't like, I don't think there was any player that I feel like I didn't watch enough of their clips and stuff. It was for me, I think I really misevaluated G League because G League games are hard to sit through as a whole sometimes. And I think for me, I went to box score watching. I had access last year and I was really lucky to be able to do that. And in a way it kind of burned me because I was like, oh, it's fine. I can just watch it in Hardy shots. I can see his assist turnover, whatever. And then do the same for Dyson Daniels and, and down the line. But I really just didn't understand the context of the team. I, you know, I, I think that was one that's going to burn me potentially. I don't know who it'll be. I was low on almost every single one of them. That's probably where I see the biggest blind spots. I don't know if it'll be Hardy, who I know Mavs fans have already given me plenty of time on, which it's fine. I mean, that one I feel confident on. But the Dyson Daniels being like in my teens probably will end up being too low. Marjan Bochamp, I had him, I think, 30, um, late 20s or 30, something like that. That was probably too low. So for me, actually, I'm looking at my board. I had Dyson Daniels at 10, so maybe I don't have to worry about that. I, I, I caved on him. But, you know, I, I just think I missed a lot of context in the G League. So um, I don't know. I think that's the one that burned me. Yeah, I think G League is an area that I struggled in. We always talk about in the Opens that I watch a ton of college basketball. And that that's honestly my advice is that the vast majority of the players are going to come from college basketball, obviously watch all you can obviously watch, you know, when Benyama in France, watch Scoot Henderson in the G league. But my, my advice is watch full college basketball games. Like for those of you who have synergy, which is an awesome tool. Like it, it really is. You have to watch it with the understanding of the context of who's surrounding them. So for instance, I, I talked about watching Tari Eason. I watched LSU games and I've told Richard this, I would complain to him about watching LSU games because it was like the basketball really bothered me. Like they did not pass. They kept turning it over and they had such good talent. Anyway, long story short, I, I really believed in, I really believed in Tari Easton. So I decided I'd watch synergy, but I had the context for it. And I was like, okay, he's got these overwhelming traits. My, my thing is I would at least start out watching full basketball games. And if those of you who like to get into this after the season, I'd go to YouTube or Synergy, watch full college basketball games of the player, and then understand the context, then go to Synergy. Um, I think Richard's right, though. The G League's hard to watch at times, and you got to be diligent and you got to learn the context for them as well. Um, I wanted to bring up something important to us, though. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked on and the bet online odd makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players starting on September 19th, which is just a little bit away. Find it on Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Cool. And welcome back to Locked on NBA Big Board. We are answering your questions ahead of the training camp coming in and uh, what's a no going into the season? This is a big, big for a lot of teams that actually have picks this year. A lot of teams really don't uh, because there's been so many trades or you're a Mavs fan. 
um, and they just, you know, don't want <laughs> to own the picks. So we'll get a few in here. Uh, two of them kind of overlap. These are more NBA themed uh, from Damon and Jay Mendel underscore 12. They both asked similar questions. Damon asked, who's your favorite sleeper from uh, each power conference? This is actually NBA. So let's, let's do, uh, actually, I think these are both college. So now that I think about it, I completely misread this. I just assumed NBA. Let's stick on uh, college basketball. The last one will be an NBA question. That's so a good which question. teams are going to be paying attention to, uh, which I think will probably overlap with this. Who is your favorite sleeper from each power five conference? Um, and I'll let you go on that because you're the college basketball guy and I need to finalize my answers while you're doing so. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on the spot. Um, okay. The teams I'm looking out for in college basketball, I think these are the four best teams and I'm a college basketball fan, like first and foremost. And so I will say the teams I like watching the most and I think will be the best. Um, and then I find my scouting from by watching way too much college basketball. I think the best team is Baylor. I, I think I always believe guards and they've got a troika of guards that is, is kind of untouchable in my opinion, they, that they, if they stay healthy, they should be excellent and they have talent and depth up front. I believe that North Carolina, what they return is a really talented roster. I think Kentucky, uh, the more I think about it, I don't know exactly how well they'll distribute between a lot of players, but I like their complementary pieces of the roster. They just need to shoot well and finish games well with no obvious closer on their roster. And then I would say Gonzaga is probably my fourth, though. I, I kind of think Houston it has a better physical team, but Gonzaga's kind of been there, done that, and, and won consistently for seven, eight years now, and they've got a team that should be able to do so again. So those are my top four or five teams that I really like. Um, as for my my top sleeper prospects from each conference, I'll start in the Pac-12. I'll go with Adama Ball. This is a pretty deep cut. I don't think he's going to go into the draft this year, but I watched him in place of Kirk Risa. He played a little bit. Benedict Matherin was, was a little banged up in one of the games. And this, this youngster from France stepped in and shot the lights out. He's got prototypical NBA size. I watched him warm up from the, from like the third row of a, of a game against Wright state in the one sixteen matchup. And I was like, man, he can jump and he can shoot. So, uh, I don't know if it's this year cause they also added Courtney Ramey, but I really like Adama ball. And, uh, I also think Adem Bona is not getting enough love from, uh, from the national perspective, but he is a highly recruited player. And I think he'll be a one and done at UCLA. I like these picks. Um, so for me, the, this one should not come as a surprise to anybody who has followed me for more than like a minute. Uh, which teams are you going to be paying attention to this season? It's TCU and Miami. Uh, those are the two. I mean, I'm credentialed at TCU. I went to Miami over in the spring, got to meet some of the guys on the team, got to watch them train everything. So highly invested in both of those schools. Uh, that's far and away where my attention is going to go first uh, this year. Favorite sleeper from each power conference. So I'll do the, the prospect route as well. Um, we'll start with the ACC. I, I just... We already talked a little bit about it. I love Jalen Wardley from Florida State. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Uh, and as a sophomore, take a jump, 6'6". He just reminds me a ton of Josh Primo. Really big fan of him. Also talked about my favorite Big 12 sleeper, which is Mike Miles. I expect him to be a repeat all Big 12 player. I expect him to be on the first team this year, be in contention for uh, Big 12 player of the year. And TCU has a real chance for the first time since they joined the conference 10 years ago. They have a chance to win that conference. Uh, just because I think Kansas is going to fall off a little bit. I still think it's Baylor's to lose, but they'll at least be in, in the race most likely. So really excited for that. Um, let me think of the other 
big conference. I can hop in for the ACC and Big 12 while you think. I, I was trying to give myself time to think. Uh, for the Big 12, I, I do – I think Keontae George is my favorite prospect, but obviously he's not a sleeper. Uh, the sleeper, I'll go I'll go as a pretty deep dive, and I'm not sure he'll be drafted, but I really like him, and I think he'll make his way, his way into the NBA. Uh, that's Jalen Hill at Oklahoma. Plays the four. He's extremely heady. I think Porter Moser's system is going to accentuate what he's good at. He, sh- he can shoot the ball. He rebounds well. He's very heady, defends multiple positions. I've I've liked him for about two years. He's, he's now going to be a senior or a junior because of the COVID year. Um, and, and I think Jalen Hill should make the NBA soon. I'm not sure he'll be drafted. Um, that's one I think is a bit of a more deep cut than than most people uh, would like. So if you want to watch Oklahoma, I think that's that's someone to keep your eyes peeled for. And the ACC – I mean, obviously, Duke and Carolina have got the acclaim. I think Reese Beekman has a chance to be an all-ACC guard despite North Carolina's backport both being projected to be All-Americans, and that's that's saying something. I think Reese Beekman, uh, Richard said that Eric Gaines has the best hands in the country, and he's got absolutely every every case there. Gaines, Gaines absolutely has incredible hands. I think Reese Beekman might have better hands. He's an incredible defender. If he starts shooting well, he's a 6'3 guard that, uh, to put into context, he, he played with – Jalen Johnson of Duke on in AAU. And I found him to be the more appealing player, despite Jalen Johnson, obviously being enormous and, and talented and a very good passer in AAU. Um, and I, I kind of fell in love with Reese Beekman and I've, I've cl- will follow Virginia pretty closely. Um, and I think Reese Beekman's going to be an NBA guard, a uh, really good NBA backup. And then uh, let's see, let's go to the big East. Uh, I think this, there's two guys. One on UConn is Andre Jackson. He's an absolute freak show athlete. I think if he can start shooting the ball better, he's a, he's got a chance to be a first round draft pick. Uh, right now, I'd have him kind of like 40th, uh, somewhere in that rough area. I I also think that that uh, Hawkins on UConn needs to grow into his body a little more, and maybe he needs to be a, a more efficient this year. But maybe his junior year could also be a very good NBA prospect. Uh, what conference am I missing now, Richard? Um, Big Ten. Big Ten. Big Ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a second to think and I'll let you fill. I in got the yeah book. yeah. So I'll go. <clears throat> we are against time, so let's uh, we'll wrap this up. But uh, I got Trace Jackson Davis. I know he's not like a deep cut, but I think people are just really sleeping on the fact that athletic defender that can guard multiple positions and finish incredibly well at the rim. And the lack of a jump shot doesn't scare me. Yeah, he's six nine, has like a seven two wingspan, seven three wingspan. I think he plays center in the NBA and he thrives. I think there's a player, Jalen Hood Shafino for uh, like him. He he'll, yep. he could be good. I also uh, he's on Indiana. He, he'll compliment Trace Jackson Davis. I I really was impressed with R.J. Melendez in the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure it's this year, but I think eventually he'll be an NBA basketball player because he he's got the intangibles, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and he can really shoot the basketball. I'm I'm sure if I thought a little longer, I could come up with someone more immediate. But we are pressed against time, and this is a fun one. I like these questions, and if you ever just want to. Reach out to Richard and I on Twitter. We both in, in, interact with just about anyone. So if you have any questions, uh, whether it be like, what, how do we scout, whether it's um, who do we like in the bra- draft, we'd be happy to talk to you about that there. And, and we appreciate your support as always. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll just do quick fire on these last few. So SEC and Pac-12, uh, do you have someone? For the, for the pro- uh, sleepers? Yeah. Oh, so I, I have a Dama ball for the pac Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, SEC. Johan Traore is someone. I'll go with Toppin, though. I, I said it earlier. I think yeah. Jacob Toppin is someone that 
he's probably the fifth most alluring prospect on Kentucky in terms of where they were came out, but I think he could be the first or second highest drafted. I like that. Yeah, SEC for me, uh, I think it's Alex Fudge. Talked about him earlier uh, as well. Pac-12 is really hard. Uh, I don't know what their prospect status looks like, but I mean, somebody from Washington State, I think, will emerge. I know they lost FA Abagidi. Uh, they've got a good team. I, it, I don't have a particular they've answer. Got a, they've got Mohamed Gaye. He's got a yeah, chance. Yeah, that's probably the best answer. Yeah, I would go with him. And then I, I like I like him. And then last I, I've one, gotta, I've got to see more, though. Yeah. Last one, I'm shocked to see another Mavs fan on here. Shout out to Sean. Um, but he asked real quick, which player from this last year's draft is going to be the first to a 90 overall on NBA 2K? So um, for me, I think it's Paolo or Jaden Ivey. I don't have one that I feel stronger about than the other, but I think they're the first two, which means they'll be the first two to start them in this class. I'll, I'll go with Paolo. I had him as my number one player. I, I think that that'll, that's my answer as well. Cool. Well, that was uh, actually one more, one more. I'll, I know I, we're pressing against time. Super quick lightning answer. Who is your guy in this year's draft? I don't have one yet. Okay. I, I got to watch basketball. I, I love Keontae George, but I got to watch basketball. I think, I think for you, it's Reese Beekman easily. <laughs> you and I are competing on a streak for Mike Miles, Isaiah Wong, and Reese Beekman count. And I know Mike Miles is far and away winning that Isaiah Wong second, but Reese is like creeping up on Wong. Okay. <laughs> I, I, here, I, I, we'll, we'll make a little wager. I'm not going to say who wins and steals, but if there's like a metric for steals per, per possession, because Virginia plays so much slower. Yeah, I'd love to see who wins that between Beekman and Gaines. Deal. I'm down. We'll, we'll figure up. We'll figure out a prize going forward. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everybody for making locked on NBA big board. The first listen of your day and for listening to us, uh, whether it's on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts, really appreciate it. We are five times a week uh, coming back pretty soon. Uh, but for the time being just a few times a week, but we will be back uh, continuing this week talking about more NBA draft college basketball international uh, and whatnot. Thank you everybody for your questions and have a wonderful rest of your day.